Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, I'm Steph. And I'm Simon. And welcome to The Food Fight where we offer a different perspective on food culture issues around Australia and the world. We'll talk with chefs, producers, business owners and experts to hear their stories and find out what makes them tick. This episode, we're speaking with Jackie Chalinor from Nomad Restaurant in Surrey Hills about keeping positive through a fire and a pandemic and about what to expect from the reopening of the original Nomad venue. All right, let's start the podcast. Welcome to the Food Fight. Uh, my name's Steph Postuma here with Simon Evans. Hi. And we're with Jackie Chalinor from Nomad here in Sydney. Hello. Thanks so much for joining us. We always start our podcast with an acknowledgement of country. So we acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of the land where we are sitting and talking today and pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. All right, guys, let's start the podcast. Jackie, I think that it's probably necessary because we do have a bit of a variety of people who listen to this podcast um, and we're from, we're from Wollongong. Many people might have dined at Nomad before, like myself. Um, but tell us a bit about the restaurant originally and a bit about the food. We'll sort of do this in a bit of a timeline format. There's a lot to talk timeline. about. <laughs> there, there's a lot. Um, look, Nomad was born out of a concept of... Um, you know, just a hands-on process throughout, you know, like just kind of building things from the ground up and being involved in every step of the, the process from, you know, selecting great producers and farmers to creating our own charcuterie and cheese and bread and all that sort of stuff. Um, obviously centred around cooking with fire. Um, yeah, and it just sort of, it it started with a bit of a Middle Eastern twist under the old head chef. Um, I was just a little chef to party back in the day. Um, and then he left after a year and I took over. And, you know, the, the reason that I came on board Nomad was for all of those amazing concepts. So what we do didn't really shift too much when I took over. Like, that's that's how I love cooking. That's why I came on board. It just spoke to me. So, you know, that's that's... It's still, you know, along the same vein. We still, you know, buy great produce. We still make our own charcuterie. We make our own bread. We do our own cheeses. Um, I love that you can select something really great and work with an amazing farmer who treats their produce with respect and love. And and you can then continue that process as opposed to going and buying something that out of a packet that you don't know where that 
you know, that process carries on. So that's something that I really love about what we do and, you know, have the facilities and the owners and the team that also really respect that process. Um, so, yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's the important thing. I think that's like what label you put on the food yeah. you're producing. That's something that kind of people focus on a bit too much of like, what's what's the cuisine it's like well that's not the question you should be asking really it's like yeah like how do they get to that point yeah i don't really know like i mean i i'm i'm half maltese so i mm. grew up with mediterranean flavors and i think that sort of influences where the food goes yeah. a bit but i wouldn't say you know i also love middle eastern food and you know i pick and choose bits and pieces that i love from that so that's probably, you know, that sort of cuisine is my biggest source of inspiration, but mm. it's not, I wouldn't say it's like a, you know, a full on Mediterranean or yeah, a Middle Eastern men. Yeah, it's just like, <laughs> that's what I love to eat and I cook what I love to eat. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, I write a menu that I want to see mm. when I sit down in a restaurant. So that's kind of just what I do. Yeah, cool. It comes from everywhere. Did you, was your transition from being a chef to running Nomad, running the kitchen quite quick? Like, was that a I've quick learning process? been in that position and because I am like a I'm a super self-critical person and you know you get this imposter syndrome and it's like I haven't trained enough I don't I'm not technically talented enough to be in the role that I'm in because it always because I'm a loud mouth and when things piss me off I speak up about it so it's always sort of happened you know my first head chef role at Xanthi I just kind of went into that kitchen as a chef to party and Mm. you know the cool room was a mess and there was things that weren't happening right and and I would just speak up about it and all of a sudden I'm sous chef and then a month later I've been promoted to head chef and I just think you know like I sometimes hate that I you know I was I was like 23 when that happened and you know you don't kind of get the time to work under other chefs and absorb the knowledge and all Mm. that sort of stuff um so I, you know, I sometimes regret that I didn't have though a lot more of those years to learn yeah. and broaden my skill set. Um, but there's just, there's just like hard work and organisation skills can take you like a real fucking long yeah. way in a kitchen. Um, I guess because people obviously have the, the the talent for everything else and that who, who do do the, you know, the kind of best restaurants. But yeah, just just by literally by being the one who gives a shit that the cool rooms tidy, yeah. <laughs> you're like, whoa, this is this one's a bloody go getter. This rising star. Absolutely. It's like, I just yeah. don't want fucking shit dripping off the sofa. Yeah, it's like I'm just really anal about that stuff and it pisses me off. So I'm like, I yeah. just can't deal with it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I'm slowly sort of starting to wean that rubbish out of my head and just, you know, starting to be more confident in myself. And, you know, I know I know flavours and I know I can cook. Yeah. Um, it's always it's always hard with that because some people, there's so many kind of res, uh, resume builders yeah. in the chefing world. Like, like I was talking to Joel yeah, from Joel. Mario and he was like, <laughs> He's like, we get resumes in, and they're fucking heaps better than where I've worked. Yeah. And he's like, but they've yeah, they've been six months here, six months there. Yeah. They picked a lot of micro herbs. Yeah, absolutely. But but they they can be quite intimidating when someone's like, I, I cooked at Noma, like fucking yeah. a thousand of the stagiaires that did. Yeah. Um, picked herbs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but it, yeah, definitely. I think it's, I've hardly met like a talented person who doesn't have an imposter syndrome. Yeah, like, I, yeah, it's, it's I think it's pretty one. standard, isn't it? But yeah. We had a chef come through, an Italian guy, a couple of years back. And he was one of those, you know, I've worked in the Michelin stars and I've been here and I've been there. And he came up to me and he's like, chef, I want to know about your background. And I told him where I'd worked and, you know, it's been four restaurants in 15 years. And, Mm. and 
he's like, so you've never worked out of Sydney? And I was like, no, I, I was born here. I grew up here. I love Sydney. I'm a beach bum. Like, it, it works for me. Yeah. And <laughs> and he's like, but you haven't worked in Europe in any Michelin star restaurants. And I was like, nah. And he, he just he looked at me like he just lost a notch of respect for me yeah, or something. And yeah, I'm like, what yeah. does it matter? Yeah. You know, like, I'm in this great restaurant with a great job and I've worked with great people. And what 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 does it matter? Yeah. I guess there's more than like it's a very typical chef path, and there's more than one way of doing it. Like yeah. there's some of me, like I've basically worked in two kitchens, and then staged a bit and had a couple of things and doing other stuff. But like it doesn't really matter. Like, no. like cooking's cooking. Like yeah. you don't have to, you don't have to like go across Europe and travel everywhere to learn how to cook good. No, like, not at all. Do you guys ever? Do you ever? Um, like when it comes to sort of building that skill set, though. Do, either of you ever sort of like see something and you're like I don't know how to do that like I'm going to teach myself how to do that like do you continue to build your skill set like while you're working it? yeah like how do you do it though like how do you how do you find new stuff like new techniques or you know new methods new ways of presenting things I don't know like how I, do you I my, like I'm a deep end kind of person and I learn by fucking up and, and like mm. that's the best way for me to do it um like at the moment, I'm kind of sort of delving into the bread world, and, and you just try. Like you know, I, I my sister is so fed up with me because I've got like six different tubs of bread in the, in the, in the fridge, it's just stars and it's everywhere. just like growing and exploding out of places. And she's like, "Your bread's escaping again," and I'm like, "Sorry," but you know, like you just for me, it's about you know just trying different things and improving on it, and that didn't work. And you know, I think. You can get a bit, like, I don't know, scared about trying new things sometimes. Like, you know, I I run a 180-seat restaurant. I don't have... I'm not on the tools all the time. Like, I could steak last night. I overcooked the hell out of it. Like, you know, breaking down fish and stuff like that. You know, you see other chefs doing it. And I'm like, man, I wish I was good at that. You know? Yeah. It's just, like, my job is so different working in a small venue where I'm hands-on all the time it's just you know so I think you just got to snap out of it and you know go and buy a fish and go home and do it and refresh your skills yeah. or mm. it's just about pushing yourself to yeah, yeah. I mean, that, most things is repetition so like if you're in a job where you're just not doing that then yeah. you, you're not gonna you, your skill level is gonna drop a bit but yeah. it doesn't necessarily matter like if, if you're working in a you know, a, a, just a meat-heavy restaurant using fish. You don't have to be good at yeah. prepping fish, but it's just practice getting back. Yeah. Like it's like I can break down a pig with my eyes closed. Yeah, but, you yeah. Know, that's just there. But I think you know, that so, whole social media yeah. world makes you look at other people and you're like, man, why aren't I good at that? Or like, yeah. that? it's so easy to get yourself down, getting sucked into that. Also, there's, there's hospitality is great because people are always happy to help. Like I've, I've mm-hmm. messaged like heaps of chefs, even ones that I don't particularly know, have been like, how'd you do that? Yeah. Or like, you know, even when when we wanted to make sourdough cavo, like Tom went and found a baker friend of ours and went and spent a couple of days with him. Um, and same thing, like, like I'll, I'll ring up like a butcher and be like, how'd you do this? Like, what cut can I get out of that? Like, so there's heaps of people are pretty willing to give information out. Mm. All like the non-dickhead chefs are. Or just some dickhead <laughs> chefs are just like, no, not telling you my fucking secrets. It was like making cookbooks. I approach these chefs and they're like, and I'm like, do you want to do you want to contribute a recipe to the South Coast cookbook or whatever it is? And they'll be like, I don't don't let out my recipes, mate. I'm not going to give away it's my recipes. Smash that on toast, mate. Yeah, it's, it's not a fucking all, secret. Also, like you know, this is my recipe and this is that. And yeah. It's like, 
everybody takes inspiration and learns from other people. Yeah. So no, nobody owns no, a yeah. certain, you know. Yeah, no matter what. It's, it's right. like that recipe originated from somewhere, somewhere in the planet from some, yeah. you know. It, it's, it's what we do. And I, that's what I love about this yeah. industry is that you can go and eat in a restaurant and be like, I love that. And I want to take an idea from that and turn it into something that's mine. Like, yeah. That's what we yeah, do. Sure. It's like, yeah. And sharing knowledge that's the beautiful part about working in kitchens and learning from other people and mm. yeah i think like if you just think the recipe is all that matters and you want to get the recipe away then it's probably not a very good recipe if anyone could replicate it yeah like there's so much more to it like i know some like like i'd be fine giving out some of my recipes i'm like well i don't think you're gonna do it as good as me no <laughs> so like, you can give 10 chefs the same recipe and yeah. every single one will turn out different exactly. yeah. so it's you know it's it's as much as it's like a really cliche tacky thing to say it yeah. is about the heart and the love that you put into what you do and you know i say that all the time and i always think i sound like a dick it's me and it's 100 true <laughs> yeah, yeah. like it, it, you know veggies yeah. taste different every time you know it's like it's that seasoning and it, like yeah. there's always something to contribute to a recipe and change touch so. and feel and experience like yeah. this is really i mean i think the, the main difference in a good chef and a bad chef is one who actually cares that's literally yeah and tastes yeah all right jackie i think we should quickly talk about the fire um of course yeah <laughs> what's it like to have a restaurant burn down and um and then to make the decision to quickly move to a venue up the road and start again uh, yeah uh that was an interesting period of time uh look it was bloody horrible i don't know what else to say it i was late for work that day because i'm always late for work. um i was walking down the street and i heard the sirens and in my head, I was like, please don't be nomad. Please don't be nomad. Please don't be nomad. Um, and I got, they went quiet as I walked around the corner. And I was like, oh, they must have, you know. And then all of a sudden, the whole street's closed off. And there's, you know, and I said to Con at the cafe up the road, you know, is it me? And he's like, yep. Um, and I was like, Damn. Uh, but uh, the thing that scared me was walking down the street. And the only person I could see from my team was my head chef, Sam. And I couldn't see anyone else. And I was like. Like, the windows were black. There was, like, five fire trucks, ambulances, everything. And I was like, where the fuck is everyone? Like, that was just, you know, uh, uh, is everyone accounted for? Was this in the morning? Or the yeah, like, 10, 10.30 in the morning. Okay. Um, and, I, like, I ran over to Sam and he, I was like, where, you know, is everyone safe? And as soon as I knew everyone was out of the building, you know, that was just priority number one ticked off and really all that mattered. Mm. Um, and then... Yeah, you're just kind of standing there watching it happen. And, you know, you have little oven fires and stuff in kitchens and you might have to call the fire brigade, but it's like, you know, they come, they sort it out and they're gone in an hour and it's done and dusted. Um, but I knew this was bad because, you know, like they had the cranes up on the roof and there was just, you couldn't see in the windows. It was just black and there was just smoke billowing out and... You know, we're on the phone to the owners who were down in Melbourne and they're like, we'll keep the books open for tonight. And I'm like, dude, yeah. no, like, I, I really don't think this is going to be a quick turnaround. Like, yeah. it's not just going to be a sweep the floor and mop the, the sprinkler water up. Like, this is, this is, this is bad. Um, and yeah, it just kept stretching out. We were there till like eight o'clock. The fireys wouldn't let us in. Um it was because there was so much structural damage done that they wouldn't let us in. They had to make sure the building was safe. And mm. when we finally got in there, it was just like, what just happened? It was wow. 
just insane. Um, yeah, so that was that was it was horrible standing there watching that happen. Mm. Just you know, you spend sixty hours a week, seventy hours a week in a place, and you invest ev- like your heart and soul and your creativity and everything into it, and then you just watching it go up in flames. It was it was really horrible, um, but it was. On the flip side, like, the hospitality community was so beautiful. Like, the calls and the messages and everyone who reached out, like, we felt so loved and looked after and everyone was just kind of like, what can we do to help? Do you need a kitchen? What, Like, what do you need? Tell us what you need. And that was, you know, we never felt alone throughout that whole thing. Like, everyone was just insanely beautiful and you know, that's, you see silver linings and the best in people when the shit hits the fan and, and, you know, that was lovely. So did that help, did that help you make the quick decision to move up the road? Well, I'd, I was, we, while all the stuff was happening, we, I'd taken the guys up to Chin Chin to get lunch because I'm like, what do we do? Just, everyone's here. No one can get in to get their stuff. Some of the guys, like the internationals had their passports and stuff in there. I was like, let's just go get food. So we went up to Chin Chin and when I went back to pay the bill, it was when Irana was in the long grain site and they'd had the fire down at Blackwoods like the year Mm. before. So they knew... And I was walking past and I think it was Kylie Ball who saw me just stuck her head out. She's like, oh, you get in here. (laughs) And I walked in there and I just like Jock came out and Lauren came out and they like they just hugged me. And you, you, I was with my team the whole day and you're just trying to be the boss and strong. And I just like lost my shit and started Mm. crying. And it I sat down and we had a drink and. It was actually Jock's idea. He was like, why don't you guys take this site? We're leaving. Like, I think that that was their, their one one more week left or something before yeah. they finished up. And I was like, hey, that's it's not bad. Like, yeah, yeah. all we got to do is walk the stuff up the road. Um, and that's kind of how Nomad Up the Road was born. Amazing. Um, so On little, the day. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, after he said that, I was like, okay, let me, like, de-stress yeah, a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And a couple of days later, I spoke to the owners and just floated the idea and they were like is that something you would want to do and I'm like well what what else am I going to do like Mm. if they're saying it's a six-month process till when we can have the kitchen rebuilt or whatever like I we might as well be busy and do something yeah so literally um from the time they finished up at Arana we had 10 days from when we got the keys to when we opened um I, I, it was it was crazy, but I'm a like I said before, I'm a throw me in the deep end kind of person, and I yeah. I work better under pressure. So to rewrite an entire menu that didn't involve the fire, which is kind of like my biggest source of inspiration when it comes to cooking and the menu. So to just not have that and then have to create a whole new menu from scratch, mm. it we did it and it went well and. Yeah, it, it was it was a bit of a whirlwind, yeah. but you, yeah, it you worked. You take like perverse joy in those fucked up situations, or just what, what is like one of those weeks where you're just gonna work like a hundred hours and you're just like, well, fuck it, I'm doing it. So yeah. I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna be real weird. Get strange <laughs> to everyone. Create a new little language from a partner. Like just like and just and just go roll with it, and then like be like, I can do a couple more hours just to really <laughs> fuck me up. You might as well. <clears throat> did you do um, it on Sunday? Did you learn anything? Like, did you did you did you learn anything new? Like, did you? What did you get that was sort of positive about running up the road? Um, I learned that we're a bloody resilient bunch. Yeah. Um, I I learned to 
push my cooking in a different direction other than relying on the fire. I think it's such an easy way to flavor food. Like, you know, you can just do a whole fish with like a really simple sauce and it's, it's a great dish as it is. And I'm like, how am I going to make veggies taste nice without the fire and you know, all that sort of stuff. So I just had to like push myself to think in a different avenue, which I found super beneficial. Um, Yeah. I, you know, I just, I think learning how well we work together as a team when things went bad, um, You know, I think we kind of bonded a little bit more over that, you know, a really shitty situation kind of just made everybody band together and, you know, this is the task at hand and we need to get it done and we have X amount of time to do it and let's just go for it. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I think, you know, it it just sort of brought us together as a team, really. Cool. Um, All right. Segue into Cook for the Bush. Uh, Did... Did sort of your experience with your fire sort of, was that one of the inspirations for you to sort of be like, people are experiencing fire everywhere now and I kind of know what this feels like in a way. Well, I think, absolutely, like it, knowing how devastating it can be, you know, like from just seeing the fire that we had to knowing that it was going to put us out of business for six months or something like that. And I didn't think that that was a really big fire. When you went in and saw the actual damage, it was a patch in the ceiling. Mm. And I was like, if that's what that little patch did to us, imagine people who have lost like their homes. Like this is a business and it's work and it is our little home. But at the end of the day, it's not, it's not your possessions and your photos and your, your, your home where you raised yeah. your kids or something like that. So, I, you know, that kind of struck a chord with me in a way I wouldn't say it's the only inspiration but you know I just just feeling that empathy for people that had lost literally everything Mm. and um yeah yeah I don't know I don't want to say that it was the reason we did it but I just you know it it definitely highlighted just complete damage and yeah, devastation that it can have if and you, if you go through some hardship and you can kind of relate yeah um, like that it's, it does kind of make you um, i mean like like covid has shown it is everyone mm. is just like sad for everyone yeah and like and same thing like like we we had a before uncovo we had a, but the kitchen got gutted and we were closed for sort of three months mm. so when, when i saw that it happened to nomad like straight away it was just like those like feelings come back of like oh fuck i know how it feels mm. and i just stand there looking at this like burnout room and being like what the fuck do we do now? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, shit. Um, so, yeah. So, I guess you, you just, you take those experiences from yourself. And if yeah. you see someone else in, you think you can help. Well, I think give it a go. the nature of hospitality is that you feed and nourish people and look after them. Like, that's sort of yeah. what we do at yeah. the heart of it. And it all, you know, I figured that if we could do what we love doing to help people and, you know, do something good, then it's it's a no-brainer for us. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I genuinely thought it would be 10 chefs and we'd raise 10K. Yeah. <laughs> Seemed like it snowballed oh quite quickly. I, like, my head is still spinning from that day. <laughs> I, like, literally... How many people did you end up getting involved? You know exactly? Uh, I don't even know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> there was... There was over, like... In the kitchen, there would have been over... 30 chefs over that I like I just kind of lost track we um like literally from the Sunday before 
I was sitting on the couch in my undies. It was a really hot day <laughs> and my apartment's hot. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to shoot a message. I floated it with the owners and because it was Sunday, they didn't get back to me. And I was like, I'm going to message people anyway. I'm just going <laughs> to yeah. just, you know, see who's interested. And people just started getting back to me and more people started getting back to me. And it went from my list of 10 people that I, you know, to, to 20 people and the Monday we sat down and had a chat about it and by that time there was already like 25 people that are like yep let's do it mm. and I was like I think we need to think bigger than what I kind of had planned originally and we opened we got it live on the books and it was Monday night about eight o'clock I was in the middle of service and our restaurant manager came up to me and she's like I've had to close the books and I was like what do you mean she said, there's like 400 people booked already. I think it's a good idea we just stop for now and reassess. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> and then next minute, my phone's ringing and it's Frank Roberts from Maryvale. And he's like, we want to donate all the alcohol for the event. And I was like, what the hell just happened? Yeah, like, yeah. I was just serving spatchcocks for the last couple of hours and what? Like, and, you know, like then Instagram, like I look at my phone and there's just, it's like people are sharing and liking and commenting and Thomas Keller's posting it. And I was oh, like, really? yeah, I was like <laughs> flicking through my feed and I, I was like, that. why is Thomas Keller yeah, posting yeah, yeah, yeah. good for the post? Thomas like, Keller has tagged you in a post. Yeah. You're like, that's weird. <laughs> like, that's um, weird. What just happened? Um, um, Tommy. Yeah. It, it, it went from like, it got to the point where like my sister She's in marketing. She actually gave up her job for the week and came and sat in our office and started running the online auction for us because we couldn't yeah. do it. Like I was literally on my phone from 6 a.m. till 3 a.m. just responding to messages and phone calls and emails and media stuff. And like, I don't, that's not, I don't do that. Like yeah. I cook things and it, it, it was just such a complete, I don't even know what to say. But yeah. It just Massive yeah. snowball, a huge yeah, snowball, like, but a positive one. Like, yeah. and how cool is oh, that? Oh, it was that? amazing. And I, you know, the big thing for me was that there were so many people that wanted to help, and I didn't want to say no to any of them. So it was trying to find the homes for everyone to chip mm. in, and that's why we ended up getting Paramount and Chin Chin, and just, you know, it was surreal. It was mm. so cool. Like, just that's it was great. so cool to see. Do you do you sort of think now, having been through that experience, like? we now are in a position to be able to do some good down the track and and be able to just sort of like it's a funny thing because people who love food and hospitality whether you're in the industry or whether you're a patron that just loves going out to dine or drink or whatever and you're from Sydney there's there's so much love for the industry here and 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 in lots of other regions and things like that so there's just a lot of people who are willing to either come as a patron or to get on board to help with things like yeah do you see do you, do you see like We've kind of got a platform now to, to be able to do something again when when the shit hits the fan and people need help. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said before, it's it's sort of just what we do and mm. the community and the people around us, you know, know what everyone's going through and what the industry's going through. And I think everyone wants to help and wants to support their favourite restaurants and, you know, make sure they get through this because... You know, I think when JobKeeper ends and all that sort of stuff, yeah. places are going to struggle really badly yeah. um, with the reduced um, capacity and all that sort of stuff. So it's just, you know, I think we need to make sure that the public supports the places that they love and want to see around at the end of the day. Yeah, um, yeah for sure. Because it's the only way that it's going to happen. Mm. Yeah. All right. Let's move to the new venue and navigating this 
pandemic that we're still in while opening a new place. When does when are you looking to open? Twentieth of October. Twentieth of October. Yeah. Awesome. So fantastic. Soon. It's rolled around very quickly. Back in the old site. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, the long grain site was great, um, but I missed home. It yeah. just wasn't the same. It didn't yeah. have the same character. Well, you know, it, the site does have beautiful character, but it just wasn't us. You yeah, get, you get very used to your little space yeah. that you cook in. Like it's weird being in another space and you're like, look, where do my hands go? Like, <laughs> normally, I keep my knife there, and then mm. this is here, mm. and I'm, I can just move. Yeah, like a new space is just like a just a slightly it's weird fitting pair of like jeans or something. So funny for a chef to say, but the kitchen at Long Grain was bigger than our kitchen at Nomad, and I hated it because it yeah. was almost too big. Yeah, yeah. And it was designed for a certain sort of style of cuisine that didn't really match up to what we did i i actually said to marty last time i saw him i was like why the fuck did you do the kitchen that like it doesn't yeah, like yeah. how and he's like i loved it it worked and i'm like no it doesn't work. Why? <laughs> it doesn't work for me it needs to be <laughs> smaller yeah yeah um you know, like things are kind of in your fridge yeah. you know well yeah. i think i was also kind of after after like certain my years in the kitchen you really maximize it and work out yeah. like there'll be like a little bit of space we're going to use that we can we can do you know an extra dish or we can do this technique mm. and you kind of you fill your kitchen so if like if you go into a bigger place you, you just haven't got enough stuff or especially you don't know the space so well so you just can't really like fill it with your ideas yeah yeah or just having to i mean efficiency is a huge thing in the kitchen it's yeah, like if yeah. you have to walk three extra steps to grab something in oh, the middle yeah. of service yeah. that's three extra steps like, like every 10 minutes like across yeah. every the big thing we're always trying to get to through to like young chefs is like if you're spending like five five extra seconds you have to on every single dish over service, that's gonna fuck you. Yeah. Like you're going down over that. Like if you can cut five seconds off each time, yeah. Like it's the little things like that that make you quick. We yeah. had um, because the the acoustics in that venue would it was so loud mm. and with the way that we had it set up, I had my larder crew down the far end of the kitchen, and they're often the, the people that you sort of need to check up on the yeah. most to make sure they're doing it right. <laughs> and like by the end of it, I just got so sick of like yelling and projecting my voice yeah, right. down the other end of the kitchen like because it was so loud that they couldn't hear the calls and yeah, i'm double yeah. checking to make sure they're doing stuff and it was just oh my it just it just drove me crazy and i'm like i just want a kitchen where my little lot of people yeah. are next to me and i can see what they're doing i don't have to mm. yell and scream my voice and carries yeah yeah so you know it's it, i'm really looking forward to getting back there cool. yeah. have, you, have you done anything new with the kitchen or the venue that you're super excited about yeah that you um, want to tell us about the i've totally flipped the kitchen um and redesigned it from the ground up which is was fun that exciting. would have been heaps of fun yeah. yeah yeah you know i nomad was never meant to be the monster that it turned into like i think originally it was only supposed to be 80 or 90 seats for a la carte dining and then the rest of it was more of a casual bar sort of vibe we originally had a like an on-site wine store that the liquor license thing vetoed anyway so we never actually got to do it so all that casual sort of dining then morphed into actual seating and we ended up with 180 seats and a kitchen that was probably designed to feed you know (laughs) yeah so it i mean we made it work and yeah we just we made it work but capacity wise we struggled with it um and again like our hotline was you know the long and narrow one so you'd have chefs on the grill having to run their plates down and you'd have to roster somebody on on the weekends just to run plates basically to and from the past so my biggest concern when redesigning was trying to make it a bit more efficient 
for service so that the past was a bit more central and people weren't losing time with that sort of stuff. Um, it's a little bit bigger, the kitchen. Um, we've got a little bit more bench space. Um, but, you know, it's not it's not much grander than what it was before. Mm. Um, but it's just, you know, like I'm hoping for a bit more efficiency in the redesign with that. Um, the kitchen counter is a bit bigger, so there's a lot more seats closer to the action. A lot of people kind of, you know, love sitting there and seeing what's going on. Um, the dining room itself, um, they've we've squeezed an extra 20 seats in. So <laughs> really? Yay. We're up, we're up to 200 now. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, I thought you were going to say capacity's down no, because of this. No, no. It's like bigger yeah. kitchen, more seats. I would just have a way of doing that. Like, yeah, I know, yeah. I know the flip of it. Of like, like going from like working in the same restaurant to owning it and suddenly being like, we get an extra table in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and let's if, build yeah. a mezzanine and yeah, put yeah. some yeah. more tables if, in the loft. If the old owner would have chest out to me. I'd be like, nah, nah, that's not a good idea, chef. Not a good idea at all. I'm like, right, so we've got an extra table in everyone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, so 200. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. This, this is the, the one benefit of having a kitchen fire, is, is being able to <laughs> redesign the kitchens. Like, Kavo was just a kitchen, but it was like an old Chinese restaurant, so it was never set up to really be fine dining. Yeah. They'd laid out pretty well, but managed to get like a whole new cool room, massive walk in freezer, walk in cool room. Oh, I got a walk in um, freezer too. Go yeah, on. yeah, it's so good. <laughs> fill, it, fill it with shit. They're going to use later. <laughs> The I'm stuff like, that chefs get excited well, I'm about. I'm just full of magpie. <laughs> yeah. Do you know how hot it is like... in that kitchen? Like, I'm just looking for somewhere to go and hang <laughs> yeah, out for, for 30 seconds. In yeah, the yeah, it's always nice. Yeah. yeah. And so what about um, food-wise? Doing um, anything different? Look, I would love to polish it up a little bit, and that's my intention. Um, it's always a great idea on paper. Um, let's see how it translates into what we do do i think you know with the reduced capacity we can fit 110 in but we're aiming to do three sits so if all goes well we'll be doing the same volume as we did before in which case you know who knows all these grand plans that i have in my head might not actually work out um but yeah i would love to you know polish it up a little bit so what do you mean by that like just so it's, a, know, it's a chef talk because I was just yeah. like, yeah, I, get <laughs> I, I get it as I well. But this is for people who kind of don't get it. Like, yeah, what are the yeah. some of the, some of the little things that you, that equal polish to you? With with the food at Nomad, a lot of it's more sort of prep driven. You know, like brining and smoking and marinating and all that sort of stuff. Where like the finished product on the plate might just be three things, but there's a lot of processes that have gone into the getting that on the plate and the reason i do that is because our services are so fast paced that i can't have people fiddling with plating too much at the time of you know it's a matter of cook the thing and get it on a plate Mm. sometimes um so i would love to invest a little bit more time in you know making things look a bit nicer and presented a bit better Mm. it could be a difference like one extra little thing like like take taking your little squat breast and glazing it with something so it's shiny yeah rather than going out like normal like it's, it's just tiny little touches like that it's like when you see those plates of food from restaurants that do 50 covers and there's 20 chefs and yeah. like every little like there's little petals all laid yeah. out perfectly and you're like that looks stunning and that took fucking someone so much time yeah. if you're in a small kitchen like, if you're in a small kitchen with like not many chefs or a big kitchen and you're pumping you ain't got time for that no like, and look I don't want to take it to that extreme um, you know, like there's this a dish that I have in my mind. It's like a, a zucchini salad sort of thing, and I have this image of how I want it plated, mm. and it, it's kind of intricate. And you know, will that work when it all 
pan, you know, we all yeah. get in there and do it. Mm. Rob's not. Like, I'm going to give it a red hot go. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, it's just things like that. It might be one extra component on a dish or yeah, something or like, like that. Picking your your stuff a bit differently. Like, I see in pictures all the time where someone's got, like, like a little herb or something they forage and it's like the perfect shape for the way they've played. I'm like, I know you can't pick 50 like that. <laughs> so this one looks like that, but the one the customer's getting isn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if someone's just using like a single piece of meat and it's like, well, you're not throwing the rest out. Yeah. So that's not going to look like that when I actually get it in the restaurant. No. It's just little things I look for. Mm. And yeah. <laughs> Bit of polish. Okay, well, that's yeah. exciting. Um, what's the feeling amongst the team like? I mean, you guys have been like through the ringer <laughs> and now, you know, you're a couple of weeks away from from opening how you, how's it all feeling i think everyone's really positive and excited and looking forward to it um we kept our team which that's amazing is amazing because they could have left and gotten other jobs we've only you know in the kitchen team out of 20 i've lost five and you know they could have been working for the last three months somewhere else there's casual jobs about so for me knowing that they chose to remain unemployed and come back to Nomad really meant a lot to me Mm. as a manager. And, you know, that makes me super happy to know that Nomad is a place that they want to come back to. Um, And it's the same with the front of house as well. I think we've only lost a couple out of them. Um, So that's that's awesome. Um, So everyone's really excited to get back into the kitchen, seeing the new kitchen, you know, Mm. kind of having a, a fresh lease on your job it's you know for me especially i've been there for seven years and walking into the same space yeah it's like man i'm sick of looking at this kitchen so i think you know that's going to be amazing for me to see something fresh and walk into a fresh space um yeah everyone's excited everyone's you know there must be some like serious like feeling of of just teamwork and I don't know. We sort of a couple of words that we thought about before we even started this podcast were sort of resilience, persistence, and passion. And about like, I mean, having the same team walking after a fire and after a pandemic, walking back into the original venue to to start something new and start afresh. And it's like everyone stayed with you because they believe yeah. in Nomad, and you know your kitchen team believes in the food and and what you guys can achieve there. And I mean, if you're to reopen the restaurant with a different kitchen with a whole new team like, yeah that would be wild like, yeah. that would be just so so hard yeah well that's um, what i'm kind of because i think we're only going to have seven days from handover to open with a whole new menu and me trying to figure all that out so that's why i'm yeah. glad that we've got the same team you know they know you know they know what's going on yeah. they know the space and it's just a matter of you know getting stuff back into it yeah. i think you're right like if i had a do that with a new team i would have just been like just let's reprint that last menu yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. we've we we got a basic <laughs> menu 101 here mm. um steak and chips yeah yeah, yeah. i mean it's, it's something like we, we had to do with we'd get like a new apprentice in or we'd lose someone experience and you had to kind of reassess what was possible so mm. if you're doing that on a, a massive scale like mm. well that team. dictates everything yeah exactly. you know, like yeah. you you kind of have to create what you're offering based around the skills of your team. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so, so many people fail because they don't don't write their menu for what's possible in the space yeah. with the staff they have, with the front of house crew they have, with yeah. everything else. So it's so easy to let ego kind of get oh, in the yeah, way and, and be have like, this ideas, is it. And, like, yeah. You've got yeah. to adapt to the trust. <laughs> yeah. You, you either, change, either you know, change quite quickly or you, uh, yeah. you go down. Depends. How, see, like with a new venue, I was a part of a new opening in Canberra back in the day and 
Yeah. You can only use the teething problems excuse for, for so long. And yeah. especially when you like, so hopefully sort of that teething problems time for you guys at a new yeah. venue is kind of mitigated because it's the same restaurant and the same team. Yeah, exactly. It's just, there's a pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, we can't blame it on that for too long though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Can't use that excuse no. for too long either. Well, speaking of the pandemic then like, what's the, what's the little contingencies and stuff? So, like you put some new action well, yeah, plans into the business model. It's interesting model. actually, yeah, being able to redesign the, a space with what's happening yeah. in mind and yeah. maybe be able to put that into place and, and work out you know how, how could you how could you use this space to adjust quickly if needed yeah um, you know I think we've been fortunate because we were in the build process when this all went down so from a an architectural perspective like we've changed the layout of the bathrooms the front door all that sort of stuff to fit that into COVID world yeah um, so you know that was kind of handy um, as for us flipping into something different um we are going to be launching a deli concept which is something that i'm so excited about um i love like i could spend hours in a deli it's the maltese yeah (laughs) so coming out (laughs) literally hours um it just excites me like that's that's what i want to eat we've got some good european delis in wollongong there's do you? A, yeah, yeah, there's a there's a big you know big from the steelworks yeah, yeah. Eastern European. Yeah. I'm half Serbian myself. There's yeah. like a big Eastern European and Mediterranean community down there. So there's some really interesting ones. Yeah. I like the ones that are sort of just a sign that says like nut and deli. Yeah. And then you yeah. go in there and you don't know what to expect. There's like a nuts yeah. place and then you go into the fridges and you're like there's like these giant buckets of halloumi and all sorts of things and then yeah, the charcuteries so off Euro the foods. Yeah, you've yeah, got a solid one called Euro Foods. Yeah. It does like bulk detergent and then like <laughs> has this amazing cheese selection. Yeah. It's so, <laughs> so random. They're quite, quite underutilized in Wollongong. People they don't are. quite know what to do with That's them. why I wrote that I, article I, about the little well, yeah. hidden gems of the ethnic food community. I hardly know what to do with them. I'm like, what is it? I'm like, what is it? I'm like, yeah. I keep seeing like random brands I recognize from home and then massive lumps of meat. Yum. Sorry, Jackie. It's the best. So the deli concept. Yeah, so that was kind of our spin-off. A lot of people are doing, you know, the take-home meal boxes and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, And we wanted to offer something similar, but with our spin on it. Um, And before all the stuff happened, um, 2020, we we had a really successful Saturday bottomless rosé thing. Um, that was just heaving and the mm. hens parties and the celebrations and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so just trying to figure out how we do that when you can't have the celebrations. And so we thought about doing like a picnic park sort of thing with the weekend rosé and putting together a, a like a, a curated box with different, with a weekly changing menu. So we'll mm. be doing our cured meats, flatbreads, cheeses um something more substantial in there as well a bottle of rosé you know go and pick it up and go and sit in a park and get outdoors so many people have spent so much time inside cooking at home and all that sort of Mm. stuff i know i'm sick of it yeah Uh, yeah, yeah. i hate cooking at home (laughs) um so that was yeah and you know being able to play around with the things that i love to eat and cook and spend my time in it's just the fun stuff so you're making heaps of charcuterie and stuff yeah, so um, our lovely, lovely friends at Oz Harvest have lent us their kitchen for a couple of weeks. So, oh, cool. Um, Sam, head chef, is in there at the moment curing more meat. We did 200 kilos a couple of months ago. We're doing yeah, wow. another 200 kilos this week. Um, just trying to get our stocks backed up and mm. ready to kind of hopefully do 
some crazy business and yeah. be busy. Um, yeah. So, you know, I just think all those, you know, fun things that probably aren't fit for a, a restaurant menu, but, you know, I love to eat and yeah. it's just our kind of chance to play around and yeah, I've been... Nice. Baking cookies and trying to perfect my cookie dough recipe for the Ooh. last six months. How's that coming I, along? I finally nailed it. Really? Yeah. yeah. What's so it, What's in the perfect cookie? Oh, I can't tell okay. you. <laughs> no. What makes the perfect it's cookie? Um, no, there's a, a lot chew. of no. Okay, I so I'm a chewy cookie fan. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. 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 Was um, it just a biscuit? It's yeah. I don't like. I mean, everyone's like they all have their place in the world of cookies, but I personally <laughs> prefer chewy. Yeah. Um. Egg yolks, not whole eggs. Like, you've got to have a mix, but the more egg yolks you put in, the chewy you get. Ooh, okay. um, corn flour is another little one I learnt. So, the recipe that I've been playing with has honey in it, and I've used the honey as a replacement for some of the sugar. Right, okay. But they spread heaps. And yeah. I want that I want that wrinkly top and the mm. perfect round, and I'm like... At home, like using a spoon to try and shape them. My sister's like, "What the fuck are you doing? What does it matter? Like, just eat it. It tastes good." And I'm like, "No, yeah. got to get it right. Oh, I want totally. it to be round. I want that beautiful, but not too round, top, chewy." And yeah, there's there's a lot of different little, but yeah, corn flour helped with the the shaping. Yeah, okay, cool. Go got there. Nice. We're going to be nice. selling cookie dough at the deli. You'll have cookie to buy dough. Some. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be selling logs of cookie Love dough. That's awesome. Um, so you can you can buy it and let me know how I went. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. Like with with these sort of little adaptations that businesses have made, it will be really interesting. Like, I mean, we can forecast into the future as, as long as we want, but there will be a day when COVID isn't here. Hopefully, Hopefully yeah. <laughs> where everyone's finally had it and everyone's got the antibodies, at least yeah, that'll yeah. happen eventually. But I mean, the hospitality industry has been a tough, a tough one to be successful in for so long. So it'll be interesting how that some of these, you know, little little side hustles kind of yeah. persist through mm. um, into into a post-COVID yeah. world. Um, I, think, I think you'll see it a lot. Is you you need backup revenue streams and yeah. the days of kind of you know just kind of treading water through winter. And then making your money in summer. Yeah. This has never been the most ideal financial method. Mm. Um, and well, I think, think it's opened our eyes to alternative revenue streams. Yes, yeah, sure. And yeah. you know, before, like, we sort of thought at Nomad, this is what we do, and this is this is the revenue that we make per year, and it is what it is. But yeah, now yeah. it's like, well, hold on a minute. What else? There are different ways to to pull money in, and and you know, to to offer something different. It doesn't yeah. necessarily just have to be X, Y, Z. And I think that's, you know, out of, I'm just all about looking for silver linings in this whole shit storm. Yeah. And I think yeah, that, you that. know, we've been forced to figure it out. And I think, you know, you can't just focus on the negatives with that anymore. And yeah, yeah. there are, I think we'll be better business people after yeah. it. I, mean, I think the the sad reality of it is there's going to be less restaurants, which has a reverse benefit for the quality ones there are mm. left. I mean, it's kind of... Uh, it's my pessimistic take on it, mm. unfortunately. But I think one of the one of the cool silver linings as well that I think the food media has done a good job of um, pointing out is how good it is for consumers, like who yeah. do have yeah. the money to spend and, and still have jobs and things like that. It's like the offerings now are just amazing. The takeaway offerings yeah. that are available, things like deli stuff, lunch boxes, different places doing yeah. sourdough bakeries, like and what? then and then at a venue, I don't know, just. You're getting a little bit better service yeah. at places and things like that too. I think, I think the media's been pretty good, but not not kind of like still reviewing restaurants, but not kind of rating them. I think it's been a good look yeah. across the board. I think we could definitely do without the 
media's love of pointing out expensive meals. Like, mm. like I think, who's doing like a, who's doing like a whole roasted cauliflower? Um, one of Matt Moran's Chizik, places. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And everyone, and it was like 50, 60 bucks. And it's like, well, that was not fucking cheap. And like, it was this whole article in a good food guide about how expensive that was. And I'm like, like, you guys should know that like, it's not just the price of a cauliflower. Like, <laughs> anyway. see what we could do without those fucking articles. But yeah, you're right. There's a lot of people villainizing and making comments about what mm. restaurants charge. Yeah, and uh, all, the time. all this has shown is how little the margins are in restaurants by how quickly the whole industry folded. Yeah, yeah, and, exactly. And, you know, what we did charge for food before wasn't enough. Yeah. It just wasn't. Like, to cover yeah. the wages and all the things. And, I mean, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot is how to improve conditions and morale and health and all yeah. that sort of stuff of not only myself but my team. And it... it it means getting more money into the restaurants yeah. to make sure that people aren't forced to work 70-hour weeks and yeah, I mean, without breaks. And The low low prices for restaurants, comparatively, is sub, has been subsidized by people not getting paid properly. Yeah. That's the reality. Yeah, that's it. Like, like slave yeah. labor, yeah, essentially. The staff that's have been it. making sure that your coffee's only hasn't gone above five bucks in yeah. 10 years. Mm. It's, like, it's 100% the only reason why we've gotten away with it for so long. And it, yeah. it has to stop. Yeah. And... I, and the only way is, is um, you know, big uproar of, like, I didn't pay their staff properly. It's like, so you, if you're saying that, yeah. you can't bulk when our prices go yeah. up. Because that's the only way, our only way you can pay people properly, you know, have them work 40 hour weeks. Yeah. Is if you, if people pay more. And like, you, you I, don't I think I managed to bring this up every podcast, yeah. <laughs> but I will fucking keep banging on a dick. You yeah, have to until people start listening though. Yeah. It just, it, it's the only way. And for us to be a sustainable industry and a sustainable career choice. Yeah, yeah. It's because, like, I know I don't want to go back to feeling how shit I felt before this mm. and for the what? last 15 years. Yeah, I mean, now, you know? now more than ever, there's, there's a lot of people who... Especially just, when you've had a taste of, of yeah. a, bit, a bit of downtime. But you, you <laughs> know what it's <laughs> like, like it. to feel good yeah. and to be normal and, <laughs> like, it... Get up early, go go outside, yeah. get some sunlight. Like eat three meals a day, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. you know it's it's like oh now I get what all these people were raving on yeah. about all this time. And I went for dinner at my friend's place on a Wednesday night the other day, and was like, well, "This is weird." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm listening ages, and they're like, "This is what normal people do." I'm like, "Is it?" Just that point where someone says, "Do you want to come over for dinner?" You're like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Wait, yeah." The the automatic reply is no, and then you're like, yeah, "Actually, yes, yeah. I can." Well, the automatic do thing that, is people wouldn't invite me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just no. Yeah. Stop getting invited. Come to our wedding, Simon. Yeah, like, no, I don't do weddings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I just assume you're working, so I didn't yeah. bother to yeah, invite yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's always nice to be invited. Like, please invite me. Yeah, please. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, all right. Last last thing, I guess. Is it is it possible to pinpoint? Because you you do have a great optimism about the future, and like if you if you put it on paper with pandemics and recessions and all the rest of the stuff that that you can talk about, that's so fucking challenging about the industry. Like, is it just a, is it just the passion for the food and for the industry and for your, you know and, and just the love for cooking that keeps you optimistic? Do you know what I've realised? The last, I don't like really recently is that I don't necessarily love cooking. I just love eating. That's what, <laughs> that's what I love about my job because I get paid to eat and mm. it's great. Um, I don't know what else I'd do if I stopped cooking. Um, 
like I my next path I feel like would be f- food media photography styling like I I love that sort of end of things but you know I I I I just like I, I just love being a part of this industry and I think just the way that people have reacted and behaved and come together throughout you know the past 12 months has just reminded me what I love about the industry and I think that's just what gets me excited about going back and you know like having six months off I wasn't this positive at the start of this like Mm. I was not in a good place at all yeah and it's just having the time to work on myself personally and and figure out what's important to me and what changes I want to make like that's the reason why I am here and positive now and as shitty as it sounds like I'm grateful to have had the time to to stop and figure it out and get myself here because it can be a pretty negative destructive daunting industry to be in and you know yeah I mean it's it's just drudgery and it's monotony Mm. this is you know it's it's doing the same thing like and, and that's that's how you get good is by doing the exact same thing over and over again yeah and that's tough as much as people want to make chefs as artists and creatives no it's it's fucking <laughs> know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's work it's yeah. like it's trade work. trade work yeah, yeah. um and you know, you know occasionally there are those parts where you get to create a dish and you're very proud of something and you put on the menu and it's great and that, those parts break it up but most of the time it's repetition just keep doing it keep doing it and like especially in the same kitchen for i was like for eight years mm. For seven years, like that can, you just do things because you kept doing them. Yeah. So having that kind of minute to stop is kind of like, oh, maybe I could do this instead, or maybe I could change to that, or maybe like maybe I'd rather do it this way. Mm. So yeah, having that little bit of perspective is a yeah some sort of silver lining. Yeah. Cool. Very important. Nice. All right. Well, Jackie, the optimism is awesome. Um, I'm really, really looking forward to coming to Nomad when it opens. Um, it's exciting to see. Mm. Um. And I don't know, it's just a really cool thing for the industry that we've got new things opening and new yeah. things happening. I mean, it, like, it could have been an easy time to just be like, fuck it. You know See what I mean? So, <laughs> so it's fantastic. Um, love to see it because there is so much challenging stuff in the hospitality industry now, yeah. in, in all industries. And, you know, like, the hospitality team, people in the hospitality industry can have the proclivity to become cynical and a bit pessimistic so the op- optimism's wonderful yeah. and we no, it's good to see good things happening with good people in the yeah. industry yeah right, it is you got to flip it i think that's you know i would like to see the industry change to mm, be yeah. healthier and more positive 100%. and optimistic cuz yeah like i said it's it's it can be a dangerous job it's yeah. easy to get sucked into the holes and you know i think you know, fucking start from the ground up and maybe spread that kind of feeling through the team and the restaurant and, you know, hopefully we start looking at ways to improve it and become a happier, healthier industry. I think that's that's what I want to see change out of this shitstorm mm. is a healthier, more sustainable industry. Awesome. That would be yeah. nice to see from yeah. a personal perspective, not, sure. you know, not business. Cool. All right. Yeah. Good place to end it. Yeah, great. Jackie, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
Hello, dear listeners. Steph here. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Food Fight. If you want to get in touch with us, it's at The Food Fight Podcast on Instagram or The Food Fight Podcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you and we want to talk to you. Please leave us a five star review on iTunes. That really helps. If you want to hit me up, it's quicksandfood.com or at quicksandfood on Instagram. And if you want to get in touch with Simon, it's Simon underscore Evans underscore TBD on Instagram. Thanks so much for tuning in and we'll catch you again with another episode. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 